0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey,
0: everybody out there in loyal listener podcast land, I just wanted to tell you about this week's Jabberjaw Show of the Week. It's the Mike Herrera Hour. Please make sure to tune in to Mike Herrera's podcast, The Mike Herrera Hour, where he features and interviews writers, entrepreneurs, and mostly musicians. Listen to him live every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern and 5 Pacific on Adobe Radio. You can also catch The Mike Herrera Hour on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Jabberjawmedia.com. For more information on The Mike Herrera Hour, go to MikeHerrera.net. Thanks, and now on to our show.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up and comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. Yes, the struggle is real, my friends, but let us help you uncover some of the mystery that is this challenging business of rock and roll. I am your host. Mr. Blasco and I am excited to be here today as always I am joined by my good friend the co-host from the other coast a record label owner fellow artist manager and lover of a good long bike ride Mr. Mike Mowry
0: what's up Blasco how you been man yeah you living living cool
1: (laughs) you had a pretty epic trip there five days of camping and cycling
0: yeah man it was fantastic just nice to get out there reconnect with uh nature and you know i got to choose my outlets and that's one where you really just you know what i like about it is you don't have any choice but to focus on pedaling and trying to find a place to eat and another place to sleep
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh yes in the last episode we talked about defining your goals and achieving success as a musician that was a fun episode so check it out if you haven't already this week I found a pretty cool article on digitalmusicnews.com written by Paul Reznikov called 17 ways to kill a music career now we don't have time to dig into all 17 but I picked my top five to discuss today Feel free to check out all the others if you're interested. And as always, we will include all the relevant links to the author and the original article in the show notes. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental.
0: So, Mike, what is new in your world, my friend? Well, as I stated, you know, I took off uh, last Thursday, so this would have been just after the 4th of July, I think it was July 6th, and for five days, my buddy and I biked 350 miles total, so we averaged about 70 miles a day through the state of Vermont and back into New York State. We started in Albany, uh, went up to Burlington, Vermont, took the ferry across Lake Champlain, and then biked back down to Albany so
1: wow Mm. that's epic and then where is is, do you have predetermined like camping spots or how does that work
0: yeah so this is the third year that we've done a trip of this sort we've done different locations each and every year the first year we did the the we were in new york state which is where my buddy lives we did the length of the hudson river so we started battery park in new york city and went all the way up to the adirondacks and um you know in new york state and then last year we stuck a little bit closer to my house and well ended close to my house and so we started in pittsburgh and there's a trail uh that runs pittsburgh to dc uh, or two trails i guess and so this year you know we decided we'd go back up his way. My wife's, you know, was able to stay with her mom, um, who's up in Connecticut, uh, with our son, so that made it easy. And then he planned out where we would stay each night at the campsites. Um, and then during the day, we kind of just fill in, you know, we have a route that we can follow, but you can also veer off a little bit of choose your own adventure. I like to use my old school tour management skills and kind of hop on and see if there's a good spot to eat and you know one town versus another and yeah you're just out there pedaling baby nice
1: well uh this weekend i will be doing my own trip across the u.s but that will involve uh planes and hotel rooms so not as adventurous as you, but anyone coming out to Rock USA Fest or Chicago Open Air Fest. Um, by the time this airs, I would have already seen you, but uh, thanks for coming out and uh, watching us rock.
0: Yeah, that's exciting for you. And then, you know, both of us, the the day that this airs, we should be at the APMIAs, uh in Cleveland, Ohio. So your, your client, uh, Andy Black, is hosting. Is that right? Yes, he is uh, hosting and um, should be
1: fun, man. I got a suit. I'm going to be all suited up for this one. So, um, you know, feel free to make fun of me when you see me. Ah, dude, I bet you're going to look
0: da- <laughs> dapper as can be. And, you know, I always like, as I get older, I like an excuse to dress up. And these things are kind of fun. You know, in the lifestyle that you and I lead, there's not a ton of opportunities, you know, with the genres that we focus on. I mean, sure, some of the artists, as we've talked about in earlier episodes, you know, they might get a Grammy nod here and there, but it's not really the norm for us. We're usually sitting around in, in shorts or jeans and a t-shirt. Uh, so I do think it can be kind of cool to to have an excuse to dress up. And yeah, it's just a fun way to see everybody. And and the past couple years, it's been fun. I guess last year was Columbus, Ohio, but the previous year um, or the previous two years were in Cleveland, which I thought was was a blast. Nice.
1: Very cool, man. Well, let's dig into the uh, episode here. Some, uh, some warnings, how not to kill your career. Do not do these things. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, relying on a label, manager, or anyone besides yourself to build your career. Even with a label deal, bands can find themselves deprioritized or flat out ignored. But these days, Labels rarely sign bands that aren't successfully working and developing their audiences. If you're not investing in your music career day in and day out, neither will a label, which means that DIY isn't some alternative approach. It's essential for the survival, breakthrough, and growth of any artist.
0: Yeah, I mean this is – this. Truly hits the nail on the head. And, you know, as somebody that manages a lot of developing artists and has a label that's signed almost exclusively developing artists, I'm facing this conversation quite a bit with many of the young bands that we work with. You know, they're asking me, how can we get tours? How can we ensure that, you know, we're being prioritized? And inevitably, you know, a lot of my advice that goes to them is, look, there's only so much I can do. You know, and there's only so much that he, if they've got an agent that the agent can do or my label partners or whoever, you know, on the managerial side, if they're on another label, um, you know, a lot of stuff does have to be done in tandem, you know, with our efforts by the band itself. And truly, the band needs to understand that and put in you know, the extra effort on the touring front. I always tell the young artists, you know, you've got to become friends with other bands as much as we can talk to the people that be within the industry and present, you know, competitive marketing plans and any number of things that you and I are well familiar with. And we've covered in, in you know, other episodes or other formats elsewhere. Um, you know, the bands are the ones that really must ensure that they are also looking out for themselves and trying to create those opportunities.
1: Yeah. I mean, over the last, you know, decade plus, I have gotten many bands signed. And I'll tell you from my experience, the ones that are still around that didn't implode shortly thereafter on some level. Were the ones that were doing the groundwork early on. They were hustling uh, the this, this social media. They were they were booking you know little shitty tours or whatever. You know they they had kind of already established the fact that they were willing to go out there and it was it was resonating right. They they were you know they were seeing results and they were building it up and it was relatively easy for me to get those bands record deals because they were putting in that effort but the real you know the real trick here is is that there was a foundation to build upon in that the people knew that they could get along together at least well enough to continue and when the records came out their first records they didn't come out to no audience like they didn't fall on deaf ears it was like there was an uh, there was a fan base to market. These albums too. The bands that I got signed that didn't have this, none of those bands are a- around anymore. So I'm just gonna throw that out there. That yes, it is essential that you um, do not rely on other people. And even if you have a manager and a label and whatnot, y- you know you you've gotta y- you've you've gotta be
0: still putting in the work you know we're only as good as the tools that we're given you know much like a coach of let's just take a basketball team i mean there's great coaches that can get great results out of you know potentially not the best elite athletes in the world but if you have athletes that are driven and working on themselves and working on their game and working on their craft each and every day you're going to have a much better chance of you know working them up through the ranks and, and, you know, showing the results that are wins on the, you know, on the scoreboard and we're the same, you know, you and I, I try to explain this to young artists all the time. I mean, I don't have a magic hat that I put my hand in and pull opportunities out of. I've been very fortunate and, and I've I've taken a look. You know, last week we talked about, you know, as you already mentioned, you know, what is success? And, and I've gotten a lot of artists this year on, you know, developing artists on big tours. Tooth Grinder is out on the Between the Buried and Me 10 Years Colors Tour. Ghost Bath is on the Thy Art Decapitated Tour. You know, and those came because, you know, the bands are working very hard on their own, giving me something, and then I'm able to go and work with the label to get, you know, a marketing plan together and, you know, work with the manager for those bands. But yet, yeah, all has to come together. If it was only me, you know, trying to reach into the bag of tricks it wouldn't work. Thankfully, in those cases, the bands have done that work. You know, they've made great records, they've made great content, and they've become friends with other people on tours.
1: Number two, not selling merchandise. If you're not setting up a stand at all shows with the full range of merchandise, then you're missing out on serious income. This is money that could fill your gas tank and pay for food. Fans want to help you build
0: a successful music career but you have to make it easy for them. Yeah, I mean this one <laughs> I think between you and I almost needs no comment or anything to actually like there's almost nothing to expand upon other than not only, you know, showing up at shows but also having something online. And, you know, being strategic about that and continuously focusing on it, you know, you have to think of your band as a brand, in some senses. And if you follow what brands do, they're, you know, offering seasonal lines, limited lines, there's all types of, you know, things that are occurring that you and I both see, you know, that bands can, can incorporate into their promotional strategies.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, two things on this. Yes, it is, you know, this is going back to the basics. It's like you have to have – you know, merch to sell, but I do see like, and it's probably isn't, you know, appropriate in this genre, but in the, the indie hipster world, I do see that a lot. Merch is underrepresented and, uh, uh, you know, and coming from like, you know, a heavy metal, hard rock, you know, background and origin. I always scratch my head on that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if these bands think that, uh, capitalism equates to selling out or something, Uh, you know what I mean? Or, you know, whatever, I just don't get it. But the the other thing that uh, I would add to this is do your best to have a designated merch person. And if you're going to leave the merch booth and you're on a tour with other bands, tip out the guy that's selling merch for the other band to watch your booth. Because as a consumer, I can tell you that more than once, I've gone to a merch booth that is unmanned and I have walked away because, and you have lost the sale in that instance.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think, again, this is sort of going back to the basics. And yeah, you are correct. And you need to get creative when you're there. I mean, you and I have both watched, I've seen so many bands, you know, that have, you know, music or shirts that, that they don't actively try to to sell and engage people with and you know some of the some of the bands who really focus on that and work on their strategies to draw people in and you know yeah i mean use some sales techniques not pressuring people but also reminding them that this is how that they survive and if they want to support you know the artist and perpetuate their career as opposed to kill it this is a good way to help them
1: Number three, not being completely available. A good manager will feed you opportunities online and off because that's what you paid him to do. You need to show up to them and feed the momentum. The era of the distanced, untouchable rock star has ended.
0: Yeah, I mean this is this is true. And in and, and some senses, you know, going back to number one. Uh, you know, of relying on your label or manager to even feed you these opportunities. Um, (laughs) You know, sometimes it's creating your own opportunities and making sure that you're available to do that with social media. Obviously, um, you know, it it can and should be such an important part of the strategy to not only, you know, post, but also engage with your fans. What a great place to, 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 meet them where they are and get them to, you know, get really fired up about, you know, what you're doing with your band.
1: Don't forget where you came from. I mean, if you're at the point to where you're getting opportunities, don't, don't be too good for them. You know, be stoked that someone wants your autograph. Be stoked that someone wants to talk to you. You know, like, I mean, even early on, like, it doesn't matter, like, how many views this guy's youtube channel has you know at the beginning just just be stoked that someone even gives half a shit that to engage with you about your art you know that's that's what i say like just yeah just that, forget where you came from
0: that's well put and i was listening to uh a podcast while i was gone over you know the fourth of july i'll have to see if i can find the link i think the guy's name is lewis house it's something to do with with greatness, um, encouraging greatness, or whatnot. And he had someone on, and the guy was talking about, you know, essentially, psychologically thinking about things in a bit of a different way. So, you know, in going to artists, instead of thinking like, oh, man, I've got to go sign autographs, you know, he would say, tell yourself that you're very fortunate. I mean, he would use the term blessed, which I don't love that term, but, you know, I would say, yeah, you're, look, you're in a fortunate enough position, just like you said, that somebody would want your autograph. So, you know, just flip the script in your mind of, oh, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate that somebody wants me to sign something or wants me to come out to the merch table or wants me to, you know, take a picture with them or do any of these things. Opportunities that, yeah, managers and labels and publicists are trying to create for the artist to help them break through this vast noise that, that exists within the business.
1: Number four, being in it for the money. You're delusional and will probably make more money working at McDonald's. The reality of this business is that an extremely large percentage of artists are poor, and most of the successful ones were poor at one time. Even worse, sometimes a successful music career means survival, not lavish luxuries. All of which means if you're not motivated by the music, the passion to create and play, and the camaraderie of it all, you should honestly be doing something else.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, and this is such a challenging part, especially with developing artists or even, you know, in certain cases, developed artists. And I do see a a, a great distinction between those who understand this. And yes, they are working towards trying to be able to to, you know. Make more of a living, maybe not making a living, but making more of a living than they currently are. But they're figuring out ways to supplement, you know, their income based on their position, um, you know, that that's been created. So whether that be, you know, somebody, you know, a guitar player who's technically proficient in a studio and starts to become a recording engineer when they're at home, or you know a drummer who's teaching lessons potentially or a singer who's created a clothing line or whatever that may be you know understanding that your band can be a platform by which you can start to expand and get use your reach to to find other ways to potentially you know Mm -hmm. draw in a little bit of an income and then using the various streams have it you know sum up to something that you might be able to survive on.
1: Kind of a side note here, but I was thinking about this the other day. I don't know what inspired it, but I was thinking about that the the very idea of the record deal was built on the premise that artists are poor in that it's almost it's a weird way to look at it in that it's very predatory almost right is like you have this segment of people that are predominantly poor and let's give them something money right because it costs money to make a record and put it out into you know the the, the state of consumerism right that all costs money you know manufacturing promotion uh, marketing so it's like you go after this predominantly poor segment of people that are artists. We're going to offer – we're going to give them something that they don't have, money, so that they can create their product to put out in the, in the world. And for that, we're going to own the art. Like it is – you know you know what I mean? Like it's, it was built – like in a, in a sort of a very predatory environment like in my opinion as like I was thinking about it and granted like I have no uh I have no point to this other than well, I just thought it
0: was interesting I, no I mean listen I have been want to say that yes I mean I think in some senses it is very predatory or can be very predatory and you know it is, it's a challenge. And as more tools have become available to artists, you have the, you know, you have more of a choice to not enter into that. It used to be that, you know, almost without exception, you had to, you know, sign a deal in order to give yourself some sort of shot. You know, I still think that you can find the right team and hopefully the right deal that will work to, to give you, you know, The best shot possible, but you do not necessarily have to take, you know, deals have changed quite a bit over the last, you know, decade because of the nature of how. Many more tools have fallen into an artist's hands, but you're right. I mean, you know, much like the banks that own our houses that we, <laughs> you know, yes, we claim that we own, but you know at least in my case, we're sitting there making payments. And you know, I don't know if it's predatory in some senses, they're giving me an opportunity to be able to own something and allow it to you know, uh, increase in value doesn't mean that it necessarily will but in the same sense that's kind of you know the relationship that a a label and a band does you know you could easily flip it on its script and say well the label is providing an opportunity and you know 10 years ago 10 plus years ago i mean that's essentially what they were doing you know they were providing an opportunity um for the artist to get started and so I, I think you've got a good point there and I think it could be argued uh, on either side.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like, like I'm not – I'm not making an argument. I just – I was just – the other day I was just thinking that it was interesting that at the, at the inception of it, you know, in the, the 50s or whatever, whenever, when, when, whenever this, this this began or even, you know, obviously much, much – I'm just thinking rock and roll in the 50s. But even much, much deeper than that, just – like if you look at like artists, right, like whether you're like, you know, a painter or, you know, musician or or, you know, whatever, some type of creative. It's just interesting to know that 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 uh, this predominantly this segment of people are poor and there are people out there that, y- you know, can offer you money to help you build that uh, uh um, artistry and bring it out into mass into the mass public but um but i don't know I, yeah I, don't know. I mean i, I think one of the just, it nah, interesting
0: it is and i think one of the most interesting things to me is you know as we were discussing before we started recording you know uh, as somebody that's got his fingers in a couple other ventures outside of music that involve maybe you know startup companies as i know you've you know worked with some as well it's like yeah you got to find a way to to finance these things. And I think that's what's interesting and challenging for a lot of bands is if they don't come to the table with some money, you know, that they can dump into their own company themselves, no matter who's supporting them, uh, they're going to face challenges. You know, I've got bands that are signed to labels that, you know, obviously the label can't pay for everything and so the bands have to figure out ways or as a manager i've got to creatively find and and help them find ways to essentially get enough cash flow to get started you know so they can then get the things that they need to get out on the road you know whether it be buying flights you know renting or purchasing a van any number of those things um So, yeah, I I agree. It's just, it's definitely an interesting thing. But his point is being in it for the money, that is definitely one way to kill your career.
1: Yes. And uh, number five, pain to inflate Twitter followers, Facebook likes, and YouTube views. Labels, venues, and potential managers are all too familiar with these scams, but more importantly, paying for fake followers distracts precious resources away from developing organic fans, the lifeblood of any successful artist. Without real fans, you don't have a real band,
0: period. Yeah, I mean, I I love that last sentence. Without real fans, you don't have a real band, period, and I think that's, you know, That's what you have to do, and you have to to keep very clear measures of how you are gaining fans and, you know, gaining traction with your fans. Is it organic growth across your socials? Is it, you know, you play a show for, you know in front of 50 people and the next time it's 75 people. I mean, that is growth and you have to respect that and measure that growth and understand that things do take time to build. You know, I think a lot of bands lose sight uh, along the way because they find it challenging that, you know, they've only stepped up you know a small amount, let's say from fifty to seventy five but again it's it's kind of going back to how you frame it in your mind you know so there's a lot of people that would love to even play for fifty kids, let alone seventy five um but understanding the importance of that or your you know increased merch sales even if it goes from a hundred dollars a month on your merch store to two hundred dollars a month, those are things that you really you know those are measures that tell you that you have real fans um as opposed to, like he says, going out to to inflate these things by paid strategies.
1: Yeah, I mean, I understand that, uh, you know, as musicians and as creatives, like, we're all in a hurry. And but let me just tell you that you're not fooling anybody. Like any any of us, like any professional label manager, what have you, we know how to very easily sniff out bullshit like numbers like we just know and you're only doing yourself a real disservice um, by trying to cheat the system in this way because even if you fool someone once with this scenario or this tactic as soon as the reveal happens and it's not what it appears to be like you've burned that bridge and it's over. And then, you know, it's, a, it's, a, I know it may not seem like it, but this is a small community and, and we all, uh, we all talk, you know, and we all know. And as soon as there's, you know, some blood in the water on this, man, like we all know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just, I like, I, once again, I said, I, I know that we're all in a, we're all in a hurry and, and it's like we wanna, we wanna get across the finish line sooner than, than later. But like, Man, take your time, build your fan base, don't cheat the system. You're you're not fooling anybody.
0: You are exactly right, my friend. Yes.
1: Well, that concludes episode 27. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. Because, hey, people, we do this show for you. Consider it a tool for understanding this ever so challenging and confusing business of music. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts?
0: Yeah, I want to give a shout out to uh, our boy Jamie Josta from Breed and his podcast. I don't know if you caught uh, one of his recent episodes. Somebody uh, had emailed a question in to him about the music business, and he indicated that he wanted to get you know, you on again or me on to discuss some of the things um, you know in regards to the music business. So, big shout out to Jamie if you're tuning in and you found us uh, from him. Uh, that's great. Please continue to listen and go through some back episodes. And if you are liking what you hear, please rate and review us wherever you are listening to this uh, podcast. Um, lastly, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Olu. And we want to thank you guys for your continued support. Awesome that we are up to episode 27, and looking forward to uh, you know seeing what we have coming throughout the rest of the year. Yes, thanks everybody. Awesome. Peace. Hi, I'm Mike Mowry, President of Outer Loop Management. My team and I have been helping our musicians release their albums and EPs to get the biggest first week sales possible. And our strategies work. We consistently get first week debuts on the Billboard charts, leading to greater opportunities for my clients, great tours, great media coverage, and great industry attention. For the first time ever, I'm going to show you how I do it. Go to outerloopcoaching.com to learn more and register now for Release It Right, my online webinar on July 22nd or Unleash It Right on July 22nd as well as July 29th. Put in the code MENTALPOD5, all caps and all one word, and I will give you $5 off the price of either webinar and I will give this show $5 as well. So you'll be supporting Blasco and me while also supporting your own career. Again, go to OuterLoopCoaching.com and use the code MENTALPOD5 to get $5 off either release it right on July 22nd or unleash it right on July 22nd and 29th. Peace.
1: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.